The world is currently on a long journey towards integration of allopathic and holistic medicine. In that spirit, I believe it is time for dowsing in the field of health to be done in the open rather than in secret. Therefore, I gently throw down the gauntlet to all pioneering doctors, practitioners and seekers of truth to keep open minds and open hearts and in the best interests of their patients consider the potential benefits of including dowsing as part of a fully integrated health program. Hello, 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 and welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 29 from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm Graham Gardner. And yes, I know it's been a while since our last show, and my sincere apologies for the long and unexpected hiatus over the summer months. Uh, it's just been a very busy time for me uh, with, you know, work and BSD stuff and generally dealing with life and trying to earn a living. And I've just not had the time to put any podcast episodes together. Uh, each one does require a, a fair amount of editing time to lick it into shape. And uh, I've just been too busy. But hopefully we're back on schedule now and we'll try and squeeze in a few extra ones before the end of the year. And my thanks to all those who emailed or expressed their concern in the forum about the lack of episodes. It's nice to know that we're appreciated. You will also, I'm sure, be pleased to hear that I have been gradually investing in some new bits and pieces of sound equipment with a view to improving the audio quality of the shows, uh, which I would be the first to admit has been less than optimal at times. Some of this is out with our control due to uh, poor sound equipment in the venues when I'm recording a talk, but, you know, the rest of it we can do something about. So uh, I hope you will start to notice a gradual improvement in quality over the next few episodes. Now, as I'm sure you also know, I don't get paid for doing any of these, and the costs have largely been met out of my own pocket. Uh, The main aim of doing these podcasts is to spread the word about dowsing and the work of the BSD, and it's been far more successful than I imagined in that regard. Our listener figures show that we have downloads in some very far-flung reaches of the globe, and uh, our RSS feed is syndicated on one or two other websites, uh, and of course on iTunes. So if you enjoy the podcast, uh, the best way you can help us spread the word is by going over to iTunes and writing a good review for the show. Uh, It only takes a moment in the iTunes store, but these things do count in getting the word out and bringing the podcast to the attention of more listeners, and hopefully getting more people into dowsing. So please do take a minute to do that. Now, today's episode of the show features a talk by Elizabeth Brown from our 2010 conference, and the title of which was Causative Diagnosis, the Key to Optimal Health and Well-Being. Uh, Conventional allopathic medicine usually has no interest in the underlying causes of disease and tends to only address the symptoms. So dowsing can be an ideal tool for investigating these other factors that might be involved, and this is Elizabeth's main area of specialisation. It was a fascinating talk, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. But before we get into the main part of the show, let's just have a quick look at what's been going on and what we have coming up. One of the emails we got was from Mark Manning, who was inquiring about the music we use for the podcast. Uh, Well, Mark, the music is by Hilary Brooks, and it's from a piece of work called The Memory of Water. Can you spot the dowsing connection there? The track we use for the main theme is called Sister on a Swing. And these are not commercially available tracks, but if you want to hear a little bit more of Hilary's music, her website is hilarybrooks.co.uk, and there is a link on the main podcast page at britishdowsers.org podcast. Just click on her name at the bottom of the screen. 
our last episode featuring Susan Collins also generated a few complimentary comments, and it seems to have been a bit of a lights-on moment for many people. Thanks to Sue and Brian, who took the trouble to get in touch with Susan herself to say how much they had been inspired by the interview. And also thanks to those people who have told me how nice it was to hear me talking about more of my own dowsing work. Uh, That's an area I'm hoping to expand on in future episodes. Now, we were very saddened to hear the news last week that uh, Sean Ogborn, who's chairman of the Wyvern Dowsers, has died at the age of only 47 following a massive heart attack. Sean was a wonderfully gentle soul and an excellent events organiser for the Wyverns and other groups, and a damn good dowser. I had known him personally for over 10 years, and he was instrumental in the formation of the Geomancy Group back in 2001. It's a sad loss to the dowsing community, and he'll be sorely missed. Uh, Now let's look at courses coming up. Uh, On the 17th and 18th of September, your humble host is doing an EE2, Dowsing for Geopathic Stress. That's in Mugduck Country Park near Glasgow. This is a BSD approved course and there are still some places left if anyone wants to come along. Please get in touch. Uh, Susie Shaw is tutoring a foundation course on the 22nd and 23rd of October at Castle Morton Village Hall. And uh, Roy Riggs will be doing our annual Earth Energies Level 6 Technopathic Stress course. That's on the 8th of October, and it's being held in the Cotswold Room, North Leach in Gloucestershire. Also on the 8th of October, our director John Moss, with his wife Jill and Ba Miller, are hosting an Introduction to Dowsing for Beginners course at Trevisco, which is near Hale, <coughs> Hale excuse me, down in Cornwall. Uh, But of course our main events coming up is the annual conference uh, on the 23rd to the 25th of September at Sirencester, which is now sold out, I'm afraid. Uh, It's a fantastic international lineup this year, including Susan Collins, Joey Korn, Christian Kiriakou, Paul Broadhurst, Melinda Iverson-Inn and Peter Knight. Now, unfortunately, Kieran Schmidt, who was scheduled to attend, has had to cancel due to other commitments. However, we have managed to engage research scientist and inventor Dr. Harry Oldfield in his place to talk about our invisible universe. Harry has invented several methods for viewing energy fields such as the human aura. Those of you who were at conference last year may remember Harry's video of uh, Elizabeth Brown's aura during her dowsing work that she showed in her talk. And uh, as you're going to hear about that later on in this very podcast, that seems as good a segue as I'm likely to get. So let's get on with Elizabeth's presentation. 100 years ago, it is unlikely that anyone in this room would have been diagnosed with cancer. Figures suggest that the rate of diagnosis was anywhere between 1 in 500 and 1 in 8,000 people. Today, in 2010, it is likely that between one third of us and one half of us in this room will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in our lifetime. So ladies and gentlemen, what changed in a hundred years? The causes of cancer changed. Andreas Moritz, holistic physician and author, tells us in his book, cancer is not a disease, it's a survival mechanism. People don't die of cancer, they die of the causes of cancer. 
Dr. Harold Manor was chairman of the biology department at Loyola University in Chicago in the 1970s. He was also a cancer expert and believed that cancer is a chronic metabolic disease. Chronic meaning long-term or long-standing and metabolic meaning the underlying biochemistry of the body. He spent many years researching nutritional therapies, especially the vitamin B17 or Laetrile, and went on to treat people with nutritional therapy. He was also a man who understood cancer. He said, Today, there is a growing conviction among researchers and physicians that cancer is a complex disease that is the end result of a disturbed metabolism or body chemistry. The frequent recurrence of a malignancy after treatment with conventional methods of surgery and radiation and chemotherapy results because the basic underlying cause of the cancer is rarely considered and consequently remains uncorrected. Unfortunately, Dr. Harold Manor was forced out of America because of institutional harassment, but then he went to Tijuana, Mexico, where he set up a clinic to treat cancer patients with metabolic therapy very, very successfully. Until his death, he treated many thousands of them. He died in 1992. But exactly how important is it to consider and correct the underlying metabolic causes. It would seem a matter of life and death important. In 2004, I went to Australia. A client came to see me in my hotel room. She'd been given a terminal diagnosis by her doctor of leukemia, and when I saw her, she just had been given a few weeks to live. She wanted to know the underlying causes of her cancer, and I worked with her with dowsing to identify what they were. There were several, but the main cause of her cancer appeared to be very high levels of agrochemicals in her body. She was curious, where were the agrochemicals, she asked me, and I told her through dowsing, both airborne and in her water supply. She then told me that she lived in an area of New South Wales, where crop spraying is done regularly with crop spraying planes. We put a program together and I left Australia for the UK. Two months later, she sent me an email. She said that she'd been to an independent laboratory to be assessed and that the laboratory had discovered that her body was saturated with Roundup. Roundup being the world's biggest selling weed killer and also Monsanto's top selling product. She had then, since then, she had been detoxed by an independent practitioner and she told me that her blood cells, her platelets, had normalized for the very first time. I had an email from this client just two months ago, still very much alive six years on. Dr. Paul Lehman ran, or used to run, a cancer clinic in the south of England where he very successfully treated the underlying metabolic causes of cancer of his patients with metabolic therapy. That was until he was 
suspended from practice by the General Medical Council for serious professional misconduct. For, as the British Medical Journal so quaintly said, seducing cancer patients away from a conventional treatments with a cocktail of potentially dangerous magical potions. <laughs> and what were these dangerous magical potions? A vegan diet, vitamin supplements, enzymes, and apricot kernels. Paul Lehman was also a man who understood cancer. He understood that cancer is a chronic metabolic disease with many different underlying causes. He said, Cancer, like other diseases, is a buildup of damage to the immune system and to the metabolic processes from many causes. For each person, it will be different, and some causes may be more obvious than others. For Dr. Paul Lehman, it certainly was very different. I had the privilege of working with this immensely kind, gentle, and compassionate man in the last two weeks of his life when he, ironically, was also diagnosed with cancer. He wanted to know the underlying metabolic causes of his particular cancer, although he suspected or intuitively guessed what they were. I was able to confirm that for him with dowsing. Unfortunately, by that point it was too late and the physical damage to his body was too great. I can't share with you the main underlying cause of his cancer because of patient confidentiality and also uh, out of respect for his widow. What I can tell you is that the main cause was so shocking that I hope I never have to come across it again. So why don't doctors identify and treat these underlying causes? Dr. James Lefano is a highly qualified doctor. He graduated from Cambridge University and then went on to work with um, the Royal Free and St. Mary's Hospitals in London in the renal units and also the cardiology departments. For the last 20 years, he's worked in general practice and combined this with being a medical columnist for the Sunday Telegraph and the Telegraph newspapers. Dr. Lefano says... The commonest misunderstanding in medicine is why doctors should treat the symptoms and not the cause, to which the response can only be that, regrettably, the cause of virtually every illness in the medical textbook, from asthma and arthritis all the way to Zoom's balanitis, is quite unknown. Thus, the best we can hope for is to treat the symptoms as effectively as we can. Imagine that. The cause of virtually every illness in the medical textbook is actually unknown. And by the way, there are 40,000 illnesses in the medical textbook. A client consulted me with a diagnosis of myelodysplastic syndrome, or MDS. MDS is characterized by the inability of a person's bone marrow to make blood cells. Orthodox opinion states that as yet the causes are unclear, but that there may be links with chemotherapy or radiotherapy treatments, may be links with exposure to toxic chemicals such as benzene, or that the cause is genetic. My client was attending a top London hospital. There they had identified his blood count to be just six. Ideally, it should have been in the range of between about 12 to 16. 
When he asked his surgeon, a very eminent man, what caused his MDS, the surgeon said, we will never know the cause, let's just get on and treat it. Treatment consisted of blood transfusions at the rate, as my client so candidly put it, of three bags of blood a month. After a year of blood transfusions, that would be 36 blood transfusions, there was no change in his condition. So they then put him on a course of self-administered injections to try and excite the bone marrow to produce cells. When this failed to bring about results, they reverted to further blood transfusions. When he came to see me, or he didn't actually see me, when he consulted me, he'd had 42 blood transfusions and the hospital were at the very pivotal point of deciding whether to give him bone marrow transplant a much more aggressive treatment. The consultation took place by telephone, where I worked with him to identify the causative factors behind his particular MDS. And there were two, and both of them were groups of toxins. The first group of toxins was agrochemicals, and in fact he then went on to tell me that he lived in the countryside in the middle of arable farming area. The second group of toxins was much more difficult to identify and it wasn't fitting into any of the categories that I routinely check. And then something made me ask him, how did you spend your professional life? He told me that he'd been in the Royal Navy for 30 years and in fact he'd worked with nuclear armaments. He had specifically been in charge of the weapons deck of an aircraft carrier. At this point, my rods reacted with such force, I could hardly keep hold of them, and we had undoubtedly identified the second causative factor in his MDS, that of a group of classified chemicals and radiation. But he was curious. He'd retired from the Royal Navy 13 years before. How was it that this was now affecting him now, and it is now manifested as his MDS? And Dowsing suggested that individually, perhaps neither group of toxins would have been enough to bring about this condition, but it was the cumulative effect of the agrochemicals in dynamic combination with the classified chemicals that resulted in this lethal condition. Dowsing put together um, a treatment program and it was a two-tier detoxification, first of all with a commercial detox product and secondly working with a holistic practitioner whose field of expertise was detoxing chemicals and chemical frequencies from the body. His blood count started to climb. At first, the hospitals blamed their machines, saying they were running a little high. But just four months from the date of our consultation, my client rang me to say that for the first time in their testing, his blood count had reached 8.5 and he no longer needed blood transfusions. The hospital also had been forced to concede that he no longer needed a bone marrow transplant. Of course, he was absolutely thrilled to have avoided this very aggressive treatment, but he seemed to be more thrilled um, that he baffled the doctors, and while others in his condition were in bed, he was out playing golf. And the very positive result was that his blood count reached and maintained 11.5. So 
What are the different causative factors behind the metabolic imbalance in the body that results in cancer or in fact any chronic metabolic dis disease or disorder? This might be osteoporosis or heart disease. It might be rheumatoid arthritis or chronic fatigue syndrome or diabetes. We're all familiar with carcinogenic substances, but what about carcinogenic environmental factors in combination with substances. In my work with those with cancer, I have come to three very clear conclusions. Firstly, each case of cancer is an individual as the individuals themselves. Secondly, there is rarely one cause behind a case of cancer, but rather a combination of factors. And thirdly, it is the combination of these factors that leads to the imbalance in the body that manifests as cancer. And while each person's individual cancer combination is as unique to themselves, there are, however, factors in common across each type of cancer. So let's look at the two leading causes of cancer in the UK, starting with the men, um, prostate cancer. There are eight causative factors in common, or eight causative factors shared by prostate cancer. And by the way, Dowsing suggests that these are, the order of these is very relevant. So with number one, First causative factor, synthetic hormones. This is the group of chemical toxins, including synthetic growth hormones in animal, fish, and dairy produce, phthalates in personal care products, and phthalate plasticizers that mimic hormones, synthetic hormones from pharmaceutical products in the environment and in the water supply. The second factor is the group of toxic metals, including mercuric compounds, aluminium, cadmium, palladium, and lithium. Sources of the environment, the water supply, dental work, pharmaceutical products and procedures, smoking, occupational hazards, and foodstuffs. Thirdly, electromagnetic fields, and these are from overground and underground high voltage cables, from our old friend geopathic stress, from background electrical emissions from domestic appliances, computers, office and occupation equipment, emissions from both mobile telephones and mobile phone and communication masks, and emissions in connection with wireless technology, and this would be all types of wireless technology. Number four on the list is the antioxidant deficiency. This is the group of antioxidants including vitamins A, C, and E and other compounds including bioflavonoids and cranberry, strawberry, and pomegranate extracts, lycopene, OPCs, resveratrol, and curcuminoids. Five, six, and seven are again nutritional deficiencies. Number five is deficiency of zinc, number six, deficiency of the mineral selenium, uh, number seven, omega-3 essential fatty acids. Number eight is the stress factor. And this is not just normal everyday stress, but this is the internalization and suppression of destructive emotions. And for men, this includes anger, fear, hate, bitterness, frustration, and disappointment. 
now for the women, breast cancer, or should I say um, women and men, for although it's highly unlikely that women are going to get prostate cancer, um, unfortunately and very sadly the cases of breast cancer in men are actually on the increase. So again, six causative factors shared by breast cancer, and again, Dowsing suggests that the order of these is very relevant. And notice the change of the order in comparison with prostate cancer. So number one, mercuric compounds and aluminium compounds in the toxic group of metals. And sources, again, pharmaceutical products and procedures, vaccines, personal care and beauty products, foodstuffs, and dental work. The second factor here in breast cancer is the stress factor, and that again is internalization and suppression of emotions including, this time, low self-worth, anger, fear, loss of control, and grief. Number three is an endocrine system-wide hormone imbalance, and this results from various factors including pharmaceutical products, the contraceptive pill and HRT, synthetic hormones or hormone disruptors, and toxins that mimic hormones, for example, aluminium, toxic chemicals such as parabens, phthalates, um, in personal care products, and phthalate plasticizers, paraffin and petro, uh, petrolatum, and other beauty products such as hair dyes. Number four, the same group of antioxidants. Number five, mineral deficiency. This is the group of minerals selenium, potassium, and magnesium. And number six, an imbalance of the lymphatic system. And this results from four things, lack of exercise, poorly fitting bras, lack of proper hydration, an overload of the lymphatic system due to personal care products, and specifically antiperspirants and deodorants. So to recap, why is knowing these causative factors behind these types of cancer or the causative factors behind any chronic metabolic disease or condition so very important? There are three main reasons. As Dr. Lefanu stated, if you don't know the causes, you can only treat the symptoms. Treating symptoms is a very superficial way of looking at health and healing. It is a short-term fix where the underlying metabolic imbalance will persist, leaving, leading to further ill health and possibly even death. Secondly, by knowing the underlying causative factors means that an individually tailored, prepared program can be put together in the client's or the patient's best interests. Not one that is a fit-all solution and not one that meets government targets. And thirdly, by knowing the underlying causative factor puts the patient or the client back in control, back in the driving seat with positive expectations of the future. It takes away the elements of fear and helplessness and having an unknown enemy in the body. And most of all, it allows them to be an active participant in the healing process and helps them take responsibility for their health and healing long term. One of the saddest, the very saddest things I've read recently was a comment posted in response to a Daily Mail article, and this was just six weeks ago. The article was about a man, aged 28, who had died of breast cancer. He had had chemotherapy, 
He'd had radiotherapy. Um, he'd had surgery. In fact, he'd had a double uh, mastectomy, radical mastectomy. The surgeons had then told him that they'd got it all and he was in remission. Unfortunately, of course, the cancer hadn't gone away and within two years it manifested as cancer in the bones, in the liver and in the brain. He died shortly after. The comment posted in response to this article in the Daily Mail read, From a personal point of view, this does worry me. He was in remission, but then he was told it was spread and it was terminal. I was told three months ago that I'm in remission, but there's a nagging doubt in my head that questions, how do they know if the chemo and the radiotherapy worked? What if the disease is still doing its evil deeds and it's not until it's too late before somebody realizes the treatments haven't worked? Surely there's some way of keeping on top of this. More needs to be done as cancer doesn't wait until you're in your 50s. If that were the case, at least I would feel more confident about seeing my two young children grow up. To that person, yes, there is a way of keeping on top of it, but it is not done by merely suppressing symptoms. It is done by dealing with, identifying and addressing the underlying metabolic causes. To be very fair, there are many, many different diagnostic tools out there, very effective diagnostic tools, live blood analysis, kinesiological testing, the bioresonance process, to name but three. But the beauty of dowsing, the advantage of dowsing is that as long as you can formulate precise, informed, clear questions, you have the advantage of knowing anything about anything immediately it is asked. And sometimes dowsing is the only way to identify the mysteries that often surround health and healing. And today I'm here to simply tell you of one woman's way of dowsing. A client consulted me with a diagnosis that had really no clear symptoms, no, no, no clear definition at all. Her gastroenterologist thought that she had IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, but in reality her symptoms didn't really match any diagnosis. She had been hospitalized with severe stomach spasms, um, with chronic vomiting, with nausea, with low energy, with apathy and actually severe depression. Her symptoms had been going on for a staggering three years. But what was very interesting was that once or twice a year, roughly around this, the same time, she suffered very severe attacks for which she had to be hospitalized. Dowsing identified very high levels of heavy metals in her body, exposure to electromagnetic fields, two entities attached to her energy field, and high levels of agrochemicals. What's more, Dowsing also suggested that there was a link somehow between her visits to the golf club, she loved playing golf, and her very severe attacks for which she has to, had to be hospitalized. She wasn't spending time at the 19th hole. In fact, her visits to her golf club actually coincided with the spraying of the crops in the fields surrounding the golf club around, you know the story. 
So Dowsing put a program uh, in place, a treatment program. The electromagnetic fields were rebalanced. The entities were cleared from her energy field. And she was detoxed from the heavy metals and also the agrochemicals. Within just five months, she emailed me to say she was feeling absolutely wonderful. I'm sure as dowsers you will agree that it's results like these that are hugely rewarding and gratifying. Her husband, who was initially extremely skeptical, not only of dowsing, but the fact that the consultation had taken place by telephone and that the fact that the work had been done at distance, sent me a testimonial. He said, My view on my wife's recovery is one of amazement. From being at an all-time low, the transformation was miraculous. She was hospitalized with extremely severe nausea, vomiting, and chronic stomach spasms. She suffered lack of energy and concentration, a general feeling of apathy, and being very down. All sorts of tests were carried out, but to no avail. She saw a gastroenterologist and had a colonoscopy, ultrasound, she had a CT scan, and blood tests. She visited a kinesiologist, a clinical nutritionist, a homeopath, and an acupuncturist. She had a barium meal, x-rays, and blood samples taken for parasites, all of which had been done previously and returned as normal. There were times when I thought that no one could continue to endure the stress and the physical pain she was having to. I don't think that doctors and friends knew just what she was having to endure. Fortunately, and thanks to Elizabeth, she was back to her old self, and I'm sure that the hellish three years is a thing of the past. We're talking about electromagnetic fields. Have you ever wondered just how electromagnetic fields detrimentally affect the body and body processes? During my work with dowsing, I knew that electromagnetic fields from any source are very detrimental to both the immune system and the absorption rate of nutrients. But I also knew that there are 13 biological processes that are disrupted by exposure to EMFs. And this, again, is from any source. Unfortunately, I don't have either the biochemical knowledge or the physiological knowledge to be able to identify them. So in keeping with the theory that the best dowsing results come from either being an expert in your own field or from working with someone who's an expert in their field, I approach the the very lovely and the very, very kind Dr. David Hamilton, who thankfully agreed to work with me. And this is the result of our joint efforts. These are the 13 biological processes that are disrupted by electromagnetic fields from any source, and this includes geopathic stress. So first we have absorption rate of nutrients, and again, Dowsing suggests that with geopathically stressed people, the absorption rate can be as low as 25%, where the optimal levels are somewhere between 80 and 90%. Melatonin release. Melatonin is the hormone that governs sleep pattern and other hormone processes in the body. 
the HPA axis is disrupted. This is the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, your fight or flight response. People who are electrostressed are in a permanent fight or flight state often. The blood pH is disrupted. Your blood has to be alkaline. If it isn't, you die. This is also disrupted. Gene expression. David tells me this is a specific gene called ZIF26H, which governs memory storage in the brain. And this would explain why geopathically stressed and electrostressed people always complain of memory loss. DNA synthesis. This is the re replication of your DNA genetic material also disrupted. Mitochondrial function, this is your cells little battery packs that give you your energy. The digestive function is disrupted, leading to low oxygenation and growth of parasites and bacteria and fungi. Hemoglobin synthesis is disrupted, and this is the molecule that carries oxygen around the blood in the body. People often complain when they're geopathically stressed and electrostressed of being anemic autonomic nervous system, and this is both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. Um, this is your heart, heart rate, your um, blood pressure and nerve system. Nerve communication, this is specifically nerve communication in the brain, the way that brain cells communicate with each other. This would explain low concentration and also fuzzy head syndrome that we hear about. The cell membrane process is disrupted. The cell membrane process being the passage of nutrients and waste products and other environmental information backwards and forwards through a cell membrane wall. And also the receptivity of those, that cell, the way that hormones um, and other proteins attach themselves to the cell. And the immunological memory is also disrupted. This is when your body is, say, affected by a pathogen, um, a bacteria or a virus, and your body makes antibodies. If you're affected by that same pathogen later on, your immunological memory will remember that and then produce the same antibodies. So you can see this very long, but very, the, the breadth of this list, why geopathic stress has been cited to be a causative factor behind so many different diverse illnesses and also why mobile phone masks, mobile phones, high voltage cables, communication masks, all types of electromagnetic disturbance is so devastating for the human body. So how do I work when I'm working in a consultation? I work face-to-face -face with a client or I work by telephone at distance. I take a very detailed history of the client. Then, by dowsing, I take a set of carefully structured health readings. Then again, by dowsing, I do checks on many different things, including viruses, bacteria, fungi, parasites. I do checks on nutritional absorption rates, nutritional bioavailability and deficiencies. I do checks on detrimental environmental energies and detrimental subtle energies. Then, through dowsing, I identify the causative, contributory and trigger factors behind the, either the set of symptoms I've been presented with that have no orthodox label or the previously diagnosed condition that the client has come to me with. Again, by dowsing, I then prepare an individually tailored 
comprehensive and finite checklist of all the items that have to be addressed in order to return the body back to balance. And Dowsing suggests that if every item on that checklist is addressed, the person has the potential to return their body back to optimal health and well-being. If the client then decides or chooses to follow that checklist, I then support them by monitoring their health readings at a distance in order to support them and make sure that they respond positively to the suggestions that Dowsing has made. My last quote comes not from a doctor, not from a scientist, not even from a client, but from a dowser. The world is currently on a long journey towards integration of allopathic and holistic medicine. In that spirit, I believe it is time for dowsing in the field of health to be done in the open rather than in secret. Therefore, I gently throw down the gauntlet to all pioneering doctors, practitioners, and seekers of truth to keep open minds and open hearts, and in the best interests of their patients, consider the potential benefits of including dowsing as part of a fully integrated health program. And just one more thing. Most of you here are dowsers. Many of you here are health dowsers accessing information about your client from their information field or from their personal Akashic record, if you prefer. While you're doing this, have you ever wondered exactly what it looks like? I had the immense privilege of instigating a research project with Dr. Harry Oldfield. Dr. Harry Oldfield is a scientist and a researcher and an inventor, and he's known for the invention of the PIP scan or polycontrast interference photography. Um, PIP is a high resonance, high frequency system that can take electrical pictures of any object and the field around it. It's a little bit like Kirlian photography, but slightly more sophisticated, in that it shows the interaction of photons and energetic fields, but in a, in a, a real-time photoimaging system. Dr. Harry Oldfield filmed me when I was working with a client at distance and accessing information about their health from their energy field. He said that what we saw through the PIP scan was spectacular. I'm going to start by showing um, two photographs. This first photograph is a control picture. This is in the laboratory at Telford University. There's a white wall. No dowsing has taken place. I'm just holding the dowsing rods. Um, and take note of the notice board in the, in the top corner there. Now this next picture, this is a picture through the PIP scan. And this is a very normal, this is a typical picture of the bands of light and energy and color that you see through a pit scan, and the bands of light and energy and color that surround us all. Now look what happens when dowsing starts. Immediately we start to get a buildup of white light down my left hand side, and there's an energetic anomaly starting over my right hand shoulder you can start to see the bands of color and light start pulsing across the floor. And these were shocking pink and red bands of light. You can see for the next picture, these were pulsing across two feet wide bands across the floor. 
you can now see the huge um, extension of the white light start to build up through the left-hand side and again over my left shoulder. And you can see the chakra activity starting here in the center. The whole of their spinal column started to pulse with red and blue and black light. Now we have light starting across around the crown. More white light, and in fact, at some at one point, this white light extended halfway across the room. Um, and again, the white light over the right shoulder. And here, we've got a fully extended chakra activity here, pulsing and shimmering. And this white light, you can see the position of the notice board here, literally halfway across the room. And I asked Dr. Harry, have you ever seen this sort of manifestation of white light before? And he said he hadn't, but just on one occasion when he worked at the Monroe Institute in America with a seven-foot-high, four-foot-wide crystal and a group of healers. So putting it all together, this is what it looks like. He didn't know what the anomaly was over my right-hand shoulder. In fact, he didn't know what a lot of this meant. And also the flashing, um, you see the bands of light now moving across the floor. He, he wasn't sure what the flashing was, but he did say it could be a limitation of his equipment. The client in this case is actually a three-year-old child. Now you can see the white light building up here on this side and extending. The, and the um, chakra activity fully extended here, pulsing all the way down the heart chakra, solar plexus, in fact right down to the base chakra. They were fully extended. Pure white light, no color at all down that side. And you see the changes that you're making to an energy field. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for honoring me with your time and your attention. Um, it's been a privilege to be invited by the British Society of Dowsers. Thank you very, very much for listening. Thank you. Elizabeth, it was a privilege to listen to that fascinating talk. I found it very interesting at the time, and I've enjoyed listening to it again as I was editing it together for this podcast. Now, if you want to know more about Elizabeth's dowsing work, I suggest you get hold of her book, Dowsing, The Ultimate Guide for the 21st Century. I cannot recommend this book highly enough. It is truly the dowsing book of the moment. It contains some great research, and it's sensitively and thoughtfully written, and covers the whole spectrum of dowsing. And as usual, you can buy it from the BSD online shop. Elizabeth's website can be found at gentlepowers.com and of course I'll put a link to that on the main show notes page. Well, that's it for this episode. Hopefully it won't be as long a gap before the next one. Uh, if you're attending our conference in a few weeks, do come up and say hello and tell me what you like about the podcasts. I'll be trying to gather some sound bites to use in future episodes. Be warned. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the society and to find out how we can help you get more out of your own dowsing, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. Please get in touch with your comments and ideas for new podcast episodes. Send us an email to podcast at britishdowsers.org. You can also post messages on our forum. And don't forget, we're on Facebook nowadays. Just look for facebook.com slash britishdowsers. Thanks for listening. Many thanks, as always, to Hilary Brooks for the music and Ian Pegler for the new sting. Be sure to join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing. <laughs> <laughs>